You are listening to Termination Dust by Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy, and sponsored by the award-winning novel, The Beloved Daughter. Visit alanaterry.com beloved to listen to this gripping audiobook about a Christian girl in North Korea. And now, enjoy today's episode of Unabridged, the Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 3 Kimmy woke up to a crisp autumn morning. She and Pip had been clutching each other in their sleep, whether from the cold or the sheer loneliness of their existence and the grief they both shared. She slid out of bed, careful not to wake him, and peeked out the bedroom door. Chuck was still asleep in his recliner, but the quiet and peace of the morning wouldn't last long. If she was lucky, she'd have time for a shower without hearing her stepfather yell about all the money she wasted running the hot water. Maybe if he fixed all the stupid leaks in this cheap trailer— She wouldn't be so cold all the time and need to thaw herself out under the scalding flow. Kimmy had taken these past few days off from work, but they needed her back at the daycare soon. One of her co-workers had recently moved away, no one knew where, and Kimmy and her friend Jade were now the only reliable staff. Kimmy had mixed feelings about returning to work. On the one hand, since Chuck had refused to offer her mother even the simplest of funerals, there wasn't a whole lot for her to do at home, no relatives coming to visit. Her sister Meg would take care of the body in Anchorage, and since Meg was married to a real estate agent with enough money to pay for a five-bedroom home on the hillside and two or three tropical vacations a year, Kimmy figured Meg would find a way to give their mom a nice burial even if Chuck wouldn't let them plan a formal service. It wasn't right. Mom had been the most faithful, God-fearing woman Kimmy ever knew. And now she was gone, without a single pastor to pray over her gravesite, or a gathering of friends to share memories from her life. Kimmy wondered if Mom still had any friends in Anchorage, if Meg would find anyone to attend a service in her honor. Everything about the past week felt wrong, surreal, like a badly written script where none of the characters acted like themselves. A knockoff of real life, poorly written and unnecessarily tragic. Kimmy kept waiting for the director to stop the cameras and rant about the terrible quality of the plot, the cheap acting, and the senseless scenes. Kimmy tiptoed into the bathroom, careful not to wake Chuck up. While she waited for the water to heat up, she stretched in front of the smudged mirror. Mom had been a prisoner, leaving the trailer to go to the grocery store and back, and that was all. So she'd developed an entire morning calisthenics routine, and when Kimmy was younger, she'd watched her mother exercise in unmasked adoration. Sometimes Mom would sing her Bible songs while she stretched and worked her muscles, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, since you're working for God and not for men. Above all else, love each other deeply, 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 for love covers over a multitude of sins. Kimmy took off her pajamas and stepped into the shower, wincing as the hot water scalded her skin. She'd only have two or three minutes before Chuck would be pounding on the door, snarling at her to turn that cursed shower off. 
but for right now she could enjoy the quiet and solitude. She could stand under the steaming spray as the heat melted away her icy chill. She could pretend, if only for a moment, that Mom was in the kitchen brewing Chuck's coffee, preparing the family's breakfast. She could hear Mom's faint humming in the echoes of her memories. Above all else, love each other deeply, 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 for love covers over a multitude of sins. If only Mom had realized sooner that sometimes not even love itself is enough to save you. Chapter 4 Kimmy hoped the rest of the morning would pass smoothly. Some days her stepfather was tired enough that he left Kimmy and Pip alone. Chuck had never said so, but it was tacitly understood that all the chores now fell on Kimmy, since Mom wasn't here to do them. After her shower, she wrapped her hair up in a towel and headed to the kitchen to start on Chuck's coffee. What you all dressed up for? He was already at the folding table in the dining room, sitting before a dirty, empty mug, a painted picture of the Grand Canyon chipped away from its enamel. Kimmy glanced down at her jeans and sweater. I'm going back to the daycare today. He must have remembered. Since Chuck's trailer didn't have a landline or any cell reception, Kimmy's co-worker Jade had stopped by the house yesterday to beg her to return to work. Chuck had been in the middle of a half-drunk, half-naked outburst, even though it wasn't even dinner time yet. Kimmy had been embarrassed, more on Jade's behalf than anything else. When you gonna be home? Even when he wasn't drunk, Chuck had the tendency to slur all his syllables together, making the noises that took the least amount of muscle control or mental effort. Three, Kimmy answered, like normal. Chuck's biggest stipulation when it came to Kimmy's work at the daycare was that she clocked out before the school-aged kids got dropped off. Pip always went with her, and Chuck didn't want his son picking up bad habits or germs from the elementary-aged students. Every once in a while, his demands left the center with an uncomfortable staffing predicament, but Chuck was resolute. The day Kimmy and Pip came home at 3.08 instead of 3.07, would be the day her stepfather marched to the daycare himself and told her co-workers she quit. He'd made that threat multiple times, and Kimmy knew he'd follow through. Since the daycare got her out of the house and, more importantly, gave Pip the chance to play with kids his age and toys besides crushed beer cans and spilled sunflower seeds, Kimmy would do anything in her power to keep her job even placate her stepfather, whose bare stomach bulged over his flannel pants as he sat half-dressed at the table, waiting for his food. She grabbed two slices of white bread and threw them into the toaster. While she reached for the coffee, Chuck mumbled something. "'What'd you say?' she asked. He glowered at her, as if her inability to understand his pronouncement was a reflection of her own mental incompetence, instead of his embarrassingly poor diction. I said I'm gonna need you home now. No more daycare for you. 
Kimmy had been prepared for this conversation and was actually surprised it took four whole days until he brought it up. Thankfully, the extra time gave her plenty of time to fine-tune her argument. She wouldn't go into details about how the daycare was such a better environment for Pip and might even help him to start talking in full sentences soon. There was no reason to appeal to Chuck's fatherly nature since he didn't possess any at all. So she answered Chuck in the language he understood best. We won't be getting Mom's welfare anymore. I was thinking if I kept working at the daycare, I could help with the budget. Kimmy was treading dangerous waters. There was no way Chuck could concede to being dependent on an uneducated girl in her twenties, but she also knew that the fool was capable of doing simple math and had to realize he couldn't afford all that booze on his disability payments alone. She held her breath, waiting for a response, not knowing if her stepfather would reluctantly give in or begin a loud and obnoxious tirade that was certain to wake up Pip. For years, she'd tried to stash away little bits of pocket change from her paycheck, storing up a small but treasured cash of one and five dollar bills. She'd imagined it might eventually turn into enough to convince her mom to take Pip and leave. It wasn't living expenses they needed, as snobby as her sister and her rich Anchorage husband might be, they wouldn't turn away their own flesh and blood. Mom's biggest fear had been that Chuck would demand to keep Pip. Even though there was no court in the nation that should award someone like Chuck sole custody, Mom wouldn't leave without enough money to hire the best lawyer in Alaska just to be sure. Kimmy never mentioned her plans, but Mom found out about the extra money lying around. Toward the end of each month, when Pip hadn't eaten a hot meal at home in weeks and Chuck was bellowing for more beer, her mom would sneak into her room and whisper, Don't you have a little something just to hold us over a few more days? And so Kimmy would relinquish the ones and the fives she'd managed to stash away. Eventually, Chuck realized what she was doing. From that point on, he made her sign her paychecks over to him. At present, Kimmy had $2.23, all in change, to her name, which she kept hidden beneath the torn lining of one of her winter snow boots. From his spot at the table, her stepfather glowered at her. He was probably straining to do the calculations, figuring out if having a full-time slave to wait upon his every need was worth giving up so he wouldn't have to live off his disability alone. Home by three, he grumbled. He slammed his empty mug on the table and then slid it toward Kimmy to fill with a black sludge he called his morning coffee. And no school holidays. Kimmy turned her back to him, figuring that now was not the time to let her stepfather see her smile. As long as she and Pip had that job at the daycare, that job away from Chuck, she could plan. She could scheme. She could call her sister from Jade's cell phone and beg her to come and pick her up. Pick her and Pip up, actually. How a girl Kimmy's age, with no real job experience, no education, and no future prospects, 
could assume guardianship of her half-brother against the wishes of his biological parent still remained what seemed like an insurmountable impossibility. But as long as she got those few hours alone with Pip each day, without Chuck's constantly surveying every move she made, she was going to figure something out. She had to. Chapter 5 After Kimmy fixed her stepdad's breakfast, she added his dirty dishes to the ever-growing pile in the sink and then went back to her room to wake up Pip. Working the morning shift meant that she and her brother could count on both a hot breakfast and lunch in a single day. There probably weren't all that many nutrients in the microwave croissant sandwiches or canned spaghettios they served at the daycare, but calories were calories. At least Kimmy's job gave her brother more to live off of than the sunflower seed shells his father spat onto the floor. She knelt on the mattress, leaned over her brother, and nuzzled Pip's ticklish neck with her nose. Wake up, Buster. We get to play today. Pip rolled over and blinked at her, his expression momentarily vacant until his face broke out in a cautious smile. You ready to go back to work with me? she asked. Pip grunted and Kimmy spent a few minutes she didn't really have snuggling with him in bed, breathing in his fresh morning smell that still managed to feel clean even though she could never wash him without his throwing a fit. She pulled out some of Pip's clothes and watched him struggle for his independence before helping him take off his pajamas and get dressed. A few minutes later, they were on their own, making the walk to work. An icy wind stole its way through their thin jackets. She took hers off and wrapped it around Pip to provide an extra layer of warmth. Hiding her hands in her sweater sleeves to better protect them from the cold, Kimmy gestured toward the mountains. See that, Buster? See the snow on the mountaintops? Pip's eyes widened slightly, Kimmy's only indication he had heard her. At home, Chuck hated any loud noise that didn't come from his own body or his television set. In addition, he was convinced that Pip's speech delays meant he was stupid, and he berated Kimmy any time he caught her talking to her brother, certain that his mute son was incapable of comprehension. After being cooped up in the house with Chuck for the past four days, Kimmy realized how freeing it was now to be able to speak clearly. Did I ever tell you what the first snow on the mountains is called? she asked. Pip had been distracted by a car speeding down the glen and was no longer staring at the Chugach range in the distance, but Kimmy was grateful to have found her voice again and continued on with her explanation. We call it termination dust because it looks like someone sprinkled white dust on the tips of the mountains. Termination means ending, and the first snow tells us that summer has ended and winter will be coming soon. She glanced down at her brother, trying to gauge how much of her explanation he might have understood. He was focused on the way her jacket sleeves hung down by his side, nearly dragging on the ground behind him. She bent down, tied the sleeves loosely together, and kissed his cheek. One of the hardest parts about Pip's speech delay 
meant that Kimmy was always wondering if her brother understood just how much she loved him, how she'd do anything within her power to protect him, even die, even kill. You've been listening to Termination Dust by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by the Beloved Daughter Audiobook, available exclusively on Audible. Visit alanaterry.com beloved to download the Beloved Daughter Audiobook, narrated by two-time Audie Award winner Kathy Garber. If you're new to Audible, you can listen to this award-winning novel right away with a no-risk 30-day free trial when you go to alanaterry.com beloved. And don't forget to tune in soon for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Thanks for listening.